Now Kerr, looking for the long, oh that's brilliant! And Sam Kerr has surely clinched the title now. World-class players do world-class things. Welcome back to the very first review episode of the Frank Cabby Fight Club, season three. It, it seems crazy that it's been season three. But here we are, another weekend, another opening fixture, and another defeat. It seems like a bit of a theme, but actually, kind of like last season, not only is it another defeat, but it's another game where we kind of should have won, um, and it involves quite a few controversial decisions. There's definitely a lot to go through today. Um both me and Andre have been watching the game. We watched the game, went through it emotionally. I was working the game, so I was extra stressed. And then I had a very long shower and bath to to cleanse myself spiritually and emotionally. So <laughs> definitely a lot to talk about. I know how I'm feeling. Andre, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm just frustrated. Um, uh-huh. I think there was always like the outside chance that, you know, you could get hit by something like that when you go... You know, change in schedule early. You go up, you know, you're on the road instead of, you know, at Stanford Bridge to open the season. Uh, you kind of lose the momentum of the of the Euros. You lose the momentum of this starting the season, you know, at Stanford Bridge, you know, in front of a big crowd and you're on the road for a team that absolutely has nothing to lose. I mean, everybody would have expected Liverpool to lose that game. And when, you know, the penalty was, you know, when they when they gave a penalty in like the second minute, it was like, yeah, well, I guess this is just the way it's going to go. And then, of course, credit to them to fight back. But yeah, you, you, I was nervous about this just because of the circumstance. But I also did not expect Chelsea to perform as they did. Yeah, and, and you know, we're going to get into all of that. But just to kind of go over the basics, so we did um, score very, very early in the game it was through penalty. Uh, Jill Flaherty, Jelly Flaherty, she kind of took uh, took a did a number on Wrighton in the box, and Frank Kirby was able to convert from the penalty spot. You know, fans literally not played for Chelsea since February, so that was pretty cool. And as you say, it did seem like that was going to be sort of the floodgates opening, and that's it. We're going to score a bunch of goals. Uh, you know, the team is back. We're we're, we're riled up for it. Um, but you know, we should have gone on to score more, and we didn't. And again, we'll go into that. But Liverpool did respond with a penalty of their own, um, made it one all, and then five minutes before the end of the game, Katie um, Stengel. Um, she scored uh, twice in the penalty spot to make it 2-1 to Liverpool. And as you say, away from home, Prenton Park, uh, it was completely packed uh, in terms of the stadium. I do know that a lot of our fans had trouble with getting to the stadium and also finding seats. Um, so as you say, Andre, overwhelming home presence, a team that's got nothing to lose, a team that we didn't even feel like we could preview because um, speaking off air, we just thought they haven't even played in the WSL. We know it, it doesn't make sense. We'll just review the game. It, it it's almost like we didn't expect this to happen. And it's not because it's such a shock result, because obviously Liverpool are good. They won the season with 11 points last season, but it's it, it's the disappointment in our own team. And I think Emma Hayes in the post-match conference kind of hit the nail on the head. She said, if we couldn't score, if we tried to hit a barn door, you know, um, we, we tried everything, we threw everything and um, it just sort of didn't stick. Um, but as I say, not without some very controversial calls. Yeah, uh... <laughs> Well, do you want to talk about the controversial calls first or, or do you want to just get into like, actually, you know what, maybe we should get into 
how the game plan probably changed in the warmups when all of a sudden, you know, the lineup drops, you're looking at it, you're like, wow, that's a whole lot of attacking players. Mm -hmm. um, but then we saw that Pernilla Harder, um, something must have happened. I still haven't had a good report or read a good report or credible report on what happened with her. Uh, but she was replaced uh, just moments before the game with Sophie Engel. So, of course, those are not like-for-like -like players. So that definitely changed the game plan, shifted some players around. Um, I saw in kind of scrolling online that um, it, it it changed things quite a bit. It, it seems like Guro was supposed to, you know, be in her left wing back role. Charles was supposed to be in her right wing back role. Uh, we were going to see Lauren James in midfield. But then, of course, uh, a lot of those things did not happen uh, because of the Pernilla Harder injury or substitution um, or replacement. I want to say having to be replaced before the game. So that clearly unsettled the team a bit and whatever game plan they had, they kind of had to build it up, try to try to work on it on the fly. And that didn't work too well. Um, so I'm just, as you're saying, I'm just reading up on it and it seems that she had a, a tight hamstring. So um, Hayes mm, said, you know, gotcha. you've got to do the right thing by the player. So it, it's, it's obvious that Penilla didn't feel like she wanted to risk it. You know, first game of the season, it, you know, if you don't treat those things before they develop um, or, you know, nip it in the bud, as they say, it, it's very risky you can develop into a much more bigger burn-up injury so that totally makes sense and as you say it, it did seem like that disjointed us a little but then I felt because we scored so early in the game maybe that was a sign um, of, of stability and and also because really an issue that we did have last season was starting games a little bit slowly and I thought okay this must be it um, you know and it was but I, from there on, it just seemed things didn't develop. And, you know, Liverpool, they have a very strong midfield. They played a 4-5-1. Um, and it was really hard for us to expand in the areas that we might do. But then also, as as we mentioned on top of that, it was a couple of really controversial calls. And one of them was after we'd scored. Um, and it was a beautiful pass over the top from Fran Kirby into Sam Kerr. And then, you know, she goes straight away. It's kind of like the goal she scored in preseason where she goes down and she chips the keeper. And this wasn't quite a chip, but it was pretty high up. Um, you know, she lifts the ball and it was perfect, picture perfect. Called offside ridiculously. You see the replays. And this is one of the things that I just hate so much. Why do you not introduce VAR in the top level of women's football? You know, why is it, why has it not been introduced yet? Because not just today, um, not just in this game, but also the, the other games today, for example, Aston Villa Man City, that game finished 4-3. There were so many calls in that game as well that didn't go correctly. And you see it time and again. If we'd scored there, I 100% believe that we would have gone on to, to score more. And maybe if Liverpool had scored, um, you know, it, it would have been a tight game. But I feel like we would have gotten away from it. And that's the frustrating thing. Cause, and, and also, that wasn't the only one. There was more than one, definitely. Um, you must have a lot to say on that. Oh yeah, um, I, I think there were three of those calls that were that were all on Sam Kerr that were very very close. I think actually, I, actually, I think only one was actually close. One it looks like she was maybe in line. You know, if you if if VAR was a thing, you know, they'd be drawing lines on the screen and maybe you know her toe was off or whatever. But the other two, including the one you're talking about, when she had the ball in the back of the net from a really great strike. That was definitely not offside at all. She was like a whole step behind the last defender. I don't really understand how you do that. And one thing that's frustrating about it is this, like, I I understand that it's difficult to make those calls, but it's also more difficult to score a goal in top-tier professional football. So, like, something has to give. You have to understand the, the players that you're watching and the movements they might be making and be attuned to them. And I don't think the referee was was attuned to them at all. It was just like, 
saw somebody in space and thought, oh, she must be offside without realizing like, no, that's actually Sam Kerr. If you didn't see her offside, then she probably wasn't because she's very good at timing her runs. That's kind of how she scores her goals or a lot of them. So it's very frustrating to see because I do think you're right. I mean, you score that goal, completely different game, you know, and that's a, and it should have been a perfectly allowable goal. The thing that's also like just super annoying is if you remember back to the season opener last season uh, when we played Arsenal, we had mm-hmm. another situation where Beth Mead scored the winning goal, but she was clearly offside, but they let the goal stand. And it's just like, I, I tweeted this from the podcast account, but like, if offside calls are just gonna, like, if there's some law that they're just gonna go against us on the opening day of the season, I just, I just rather them formally tell me than have our hearts broken like this, because this is two years in a row. And it's very frustrating to see it change games that much. And we recovered last time and ended up winning the league by a point, but we never should have been in that position. And we might be having the exact same conversations now. And, and as you say, though, it took up until up until Christmas and up until a very shock defeat for Arsenal against Birmingham to, to change those things. So people don't really understand how this can shape the rest of the season. And and of course, we still won that. But as you say, it shouldn't have to be that difficult. Um, but aside from those controversial calls, and you say there was more than one, definitely, that's the annoying thing. Um, I just, I felt like we played really poorly um, outside of the goals, uh, outside of the goal that we scored. Um, I felt like we were unable to deal with the fact that they were playing such an expansive midfield. Um, they were really focusing on Sophie Ingle through Katie and uh, they didn't really allow our midfield to kind of play through them and play around them. Um, and then on top of that, I felt like they hit us fairly easily on the counter-attack and that's the concerning thing for me because I know that Chelsea like to play a very high line um, and it, it did seem like they'd picked specific players Um and I just wonder how much of that is down to the fact that we haven't gelled the midfield properly. You know, Kankovic has just come in. We made a couple of different changes, uh, different styles. But then I feel like I feel like we had a really good preseason, and shouldn't the experimentation have been for that? Uh, you know, I understand and appreciate that we didn't get all of the players at once. Um, that's taken quite a bit of time, and and Emma Hayes did change formations during throughout the game, the back four. But I just feel like there was there was a lot of questions that we didn't have answers for, and that's a little bit worrying. I think that aspect of it was the most worrying and and the way the attack was. And maybe those two things go hand in hand, right? You Maybe the, you know, uh, the, the way that we approached the game didn't inspire a lot of confidence and therefore the players played a little tentative and things didn't go uh, according to plan. So there's a possibility that that happened. But yeah, I was concerned about the approach to the game because I feel like Liverpool didn't do anything that we didn't expect. You expect a team like that with really nothing to lose playing, you know, in the WSL for the first time since what, two, three seasons ago um, when they got um, relegated, they, they got relegated when the, when the pandemic shortened the, what was it? The 2019, 2020 season. So it's been a while since they've been back to the WSL. So you understand that a team like that is going to play with a lot of intensity they're going to sit back. They're going to try and keep the score low. They're going to try and bother you. They're going to press hard and heavy in midfield. And they're going to try to make it difficult for you to play through them and find those gaps. And you understand that that's how they're going to play. And we looked a little bit shocked to be like, oh, they're swarming our midfield. First of all, first of all, when I say the word midfield, <laughs> I'm never going to be able to say the word midfield this season without being completely disgusted at PSG for not allowing Grace Gallardo uh-huh. to come because she wanted to, and they were just like, nope, uh, and didn't allow that to happen. And I'm very, very frustrated about that because, as you can see, midfield is kind of important. And I'm also a little frustrated at Chelsea. That, 
know, that was a, a player that we, I guess, chased pretty single, single-mindedly and didn't have another option, it seems, to bring somebody else in. I heard a lot of rumors over the summer, but when the when the window closed and we didn't bring anybody else in that plays in midfield, I was like, oh, well, that's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the reason that's not good is for situations like this. I mean, I do think once you know, Kankovic gets a little bit, you know, more settled. She might be an option. Of course, we're looking at Melanie Leupold's when she might come back. And who knows, in January, we might end up getting Gioro anyway. But we have a lot of matches to play between now and then, um, even between now and and, and Leupold's coming back because we don't know that timetable. So, yeah, I was really, really, really frustrated about that and seeing that kind of happen to the team and that, deficiency pop up right away to a team that just got newly promoted it didn't inspire a whole lot of confidence for the rest of the season Uh, and I don't want to extrapolate and see like I'm down on the whole season but there's clearly a lot to work on uh no I I think I think you are right and and maybe that's the the troubling part Emma Hayes must have known that we didn't have grace then we'd be missing a player we're missing a number eight we're missing someone who can occupy that hole and allow the likes of Frank Kirby and Sam Kerr to push forward um and I just wonder you did we talked about this last episode about rumors in terms of who else could be an option. Let, let you know. Let's kind of be honest. Kira Walsh was never going to come to us. Or Man City were never going to let her come to us. She's gone to Barcelona, and and maybe right now uh, the fact that we already lost, we can laugh and say they absolutely like they were shocking today. Man City without her, the midfield is just a gaping hole. It's a crater, um, and they they are really missing her. And they did bring in a couple of new players, but it just you know. It just wasn't living up to it. And Aston Villa played really well. But there's an example of, of another team that's kind of missing, you know, someone who can sit in that hole. Kira Walsh did it so well. We just never were going to get her. And I think we both agreed on that. But some of the other rumours, I think Amandine Henry was one. And there were a couple of other players. It seemed like that we could have at least got one of them. Like, we didn't have to go for broke on, um, on you know, breaking financial records to bring, to bring Grace in. Especially when we didn't even know what it would look like to have her in the team. It kind of seemed like a decision where, you know, you you sort of, you think with your heart before you think with your head. And I just felt like we might be in a bit of a position where we're unsure. If this team needs time to gel, then that's, that means more time where we're operating without a functioning, stable, uh, trustworthy midfield. And that, that concerns me, especially with the Champions League coming up and especially the ambitions that we have for this season. Yeah, I think that is that that I, I share those sentiments. I thought it was very, very strange. Um, I, I still think, though, and I'm still interested to see what and, and I'm sad we'll never know, but I'm interested to see what the lineup would have looked, how it would have functioned, because clearly um, the the 11, the original 11 players that Emma Hayes selected, she selected for a reason. And, and there was a particular way that she wanted to play and attack Liverpool. And Emma Hayes is much too aware and competent of a manager to not have expected what Liverpool did. Um, and so I, I'm I'm disappointed. I'm sad that we wouldn't get to see that. But also the players are talented enough and Emma Hayes is talented enough to be able to make an adjustment, um, even against a team playing as the, the way that Liverpool did. And, you know, I, I, I also think like so a lot of some of it's on the individual players, too. I mean, I, I commented on the on the Twitter account. When we were chasing the game, really chasing to make it back to 2-2 after giving up two penalties, um, I I really focused on that because that stretch is like when you see Chelsea being ruthless, when Chelsea needed to go. I mean, think back. You don't have to go too far. The last game that we played in the WSL was against Manchester United. 
on the last day of the season. We were down 2-1 at halftime. We won that game 4-2. You know, there was a ruthlessness to the team. And, and you know, you got, you got players getting in good positions, players really finding one another, being able to make those pinpoint passes and find the gaps in the fence. And we didn't see any of that. There were so many balls that were... And this was this. I think this was probably the most concerning thing for me is that we didn't like when we crossed the ball, we crossed the ball low. We crossed the ball with, you know, not a bunch of elevation. We cross it direct. We get it to somebody's head. You know, there's direction on it. There's pace on it. There's some precision in it. And there were multiple crosses, multiple crosses that were just floated straight into the hands of the goalkeeper where there was no chance for anybody to get it. It was just hopeful too way too much air under the ball and I was like we do not play like that that is not something that we're used to doing and I don't know where that came from so I was very concerned to see that like it just seemed like the players were out of ideas and whatever Liverpool had done to them to keep them out seemed like it got in their heads a bit and they're like well let's just throw the ball in there and see what happens but that's not how Chelsea play so I, I thought that that reaction was pretty poor and I was frustrated by that because you know, you mentioned it earlier, like, you know, we've seen Chelsea play games like this where it's troubling, you know, you, they have a hard time scoring, but this was a little different because out of like dominating the possession as much as we did, I believe we had near 70% of it. We only got 10 shots and only four on target. And normally when we have games like this, we have like 20 something shots, six, seven, eight, ten 10 on, on target, something like that. Like that's the, that, those are the numbers we typically see. And you could just see that something was not working in the attack because of the way that we were lumping the ball into the box. And that's just not ever going to be a way that this team scores. Mm-hmm. And, and it's very interesting you're saying all this because I'm just reading up on some of the post-match um, quotes by Emma Hayes. And one of the main things she said is that she thinks sometimes the team wants to win things by bigger margins when they should follow the process and keep passing the football. And I wonder whether that's her kind of way of saying they didn't or they weren't able to execute or do exactly what the game plan was which has then resulted in in the in the defeat, um, and as you're saying, all these crosses and balls in, but actually not able to really play centrally, not able to to use the possession to to progress the ball up the pitch. Those are things I think that that she means by when she says passing it and keep passing the football. Um, but at the same time, Liverpool were so specific in the way that they approached the game and they did their homework. They knew they would have the advantage as the, as the home team. But um, Matt Beard, just as Emma Hayes spoke, Matt Beard talks about specific tactics. So it's kind of like you come up against a team who have done the homework and worked against you. You need to believe that you have the firepower to to get through that, especially when you're playing away from home. And I just feel like um, either the confidence was lacking or the players were rusty from um, international football. Though I have to say, Fran Kirby wasn't, and she played almost the most football alongside Millie Bright. Um, or just that it, it's been a bit of a weird combination to the gelling, and maybe that's that's sort of a reason why Man City struggled today. Um, but it just felt like we weren't able to overpower them, and you said it yourself, um, the ability to dominate teams when in difficult positions, that's obviously a useful skill, and it's, it helped us through so many games in the last part of last season, but maybe we're just not in the right mind frame to be ready for that, and um, we just need more time. But do we have the time? Because it just seems like more and more games are happening and uh, Arsenal will continue winning the points. And as you say, just like last season, we are going to be chasing once again. Yeah, and you know, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, there is a massive game now all of a sudden. You know, you get three points from this game and you don't have quite the scenario that you have, even though you always want to beat a team that should be in the top. But the next game is against Manchester City. So, you know, that's going to be a big one because right now we're both on zero points. And, you know, if you have any hope 
of staying in, you know, uh, assuming consistent results from Arsenal, which again, maybe not the case. You mentioned it earlier. Uh, They did have a shock result last season and they could definitely have more shock results this season. There are some teams are, 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 are much improved in the WSL. So it is going to be an interesting season, I think. Um, but I think that's also the frustrating part is that you look at it and you say like Arsenal has some pretty clear weaknesses for a team that, you know, maybe did some things to bolster the way that they play and they might be able to frustrate a team like Arsenal, like City, even like Chelsea and end up getting a result. And you are expecting Chelsea to be, you know, top to bottom with the, you know, recruitment that we had the most talented team in the league. And if that's the case, then you expect Chelsea to be a little bit more uh, immune to some of these performances after a while. I mean, I know we always have like trip ups against Brighton and stuff like that. Like there, we, we by no means like run the table, but we do a very good job. And it is a shock when we drop points, you know, we dropped points to Reading last season. And that was a very, like, that was a shocking game. Um, this kind of removes that margin of error already. And that's where it's a little, it's a little concerning to me, but you know, we still have matches to play against everybody else. We still have matches to play against specifically Arsenal. We can turn this around in one result versus them. So I'm not, I'm not really looking at it in terms of long-term just yet, Mm -hmm. but it is to the point where like, whatever the issues were, (laughs) whatever we tried to do that didn't work, we need to make sure that we don't have that again. Like that, like I said, the margin for error is pretty much gone uh, until you get some points on the board and until you get a little further into the season and see how, how slash if slash when other teams are going to slip up as well. I think that's kind of like the beauty of it though, because although we've fallen short on the very first game of the season, surely the only way is up from it. I know I, I say that like, like, you know, today could have been worse, but I also feel like it couldn't have been. I don't, I don't see it within Chelsea's abilities to be worse than they were today, unless they, you know, they're playing Barcelona or something like that. So I think domestically, the fact that it's happened this early on, maybe is a good sign because Emma Hayes knows let's, you know, I said it before, let's nip it in the bud. You know, these were the issues. Um, this is what we're not going to do because it didn't work last time. And this is the kind of team that could potentially cause us issues um, or the type of formation or setup that could cause us issues later in the season. So maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it gives us some ideas on uh, which players she might play, which players might become um, regulars in the starting lineup for the midfield, which formation, formations she might pick. So it's all a learning curve. But actually, it's a very short time between now and the next game. Um, although we're not thinking of it as a long-term thing, losing against Man City or dropping points even can be problematic. And I feel like this is the. And to be honest, last season it was just it was a good time to play Man City. Any time of the season, they weren't you know they weren't doing so great. They came a little bit stronger than the the latter end of the season. But this time around, you know they've just lost against Aston Villa. They've showcased a lot of their weaknesses. Clearly, they are really struggling without um, the likes of Walsh, Weir and, and and Bronze. Maybe I would consider Bronze the biggest absence that's affected them. This could be the perfect time to play them. And, and we know last season when we lost points or dropped points, we came back and we really we bounced back. We bounced back quite well. And there were a couple of you know big scorelines like 9-0 and a couple of 5 and 4 nils. This might not be that, but, but we should use this game as that. Not maybe in the scoreline or, or the amount of goals we score, but in performance, because it really needs to be a step up. Yeah, I, I think there's, you know, they got put into a situation where, or put themselves in a situation, I guess, where you need to win this game. It's kind of important to be able to do that. Um, and and I'm, I'm hoping that that can happen. 
We'll see. I mean, I, I do think that Manchester City losing Walsh was a big, a, a, a really big deal. Um, and, and you're right that she was never going to come to Chelsea. That was always going to be, she was either going to leave the WSL or stay with City. And, and she ended up leaving to go to Barcelona. So, you know, good luck to her, I suppose. But um, yeah, I, I think two teams with some issues in midfield is going to be very interesting to see what happens and how Emma Hayes approaches solving that problem um, that I, I will say in terms of the players that we have uh, to call upon, even, even with the injuries, even without a transfer coming in specifically, like, like, a, like one of the names that we wanted, I still think we have a better opportunity. We have the best, we're better positioned to take advantage of that and to solve that problem versus a team like city and the struggles that they're having. But, you know, honestly, before we even go like that far and think about that, I did want to like spotlight some positives because there were mm-hmm. positives in this. Yeah, I can already think Un- of one. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> they weren't in attack. Uh, unfortunately, they weren't in creating open play chances like we are used to seeing. Um, and unfortunately, the good also comes with a sprinkle of bad. Um, uh, Khadija Buchanan, I, I want to give her a massive shout out because the way that she played was phenomenal until the penalty, <laughs> the second penalty. The first one was just a handball, which honestly, mm-hmm. I guess some people say you have to call that, but honestly, I don't know what else Millie Bright could have done other than just like not, you know, been born with an arm. That That's kind of the only thing you can do in that scenario. So that's really unfortunate. But but the penalty was was clear for me. Um, that is, that's a tackle that is always dangerous to make. I think you make that anywhere on the pitch and you're going to get a yellow card. So it was kind of, like when when the referee points it, I was like, ah, I can't even argue that one. But before that, just it was what Liverpool was doing was really harassing the midfield off of the ball, so they couldn't dictate play, couldn't keep the keep the eyes up, and then they spread Chelsea very wide, and then it was difficult to do our typical com- combinations and be able to find players through, um, you know, with through passes and through balls and all of that. We we tried to work down the wings a little bit, but we were missing that other pass, either that cutback or a pass back real quick to be able to find somebody around the top of the box with space. But one thing that was very much working was Khadija Buchanan, you know, with the ball at her feet in that central position in a back three. Um, and at first, I remember uh, at the beginning of the match, I was like, I don't understand why Buchanan and Bright aren't won't, won't switch because we know that Millie Bright, you know, not that you're tremendously worried about a lot of Liverpool's wingers, but just Millie Bright in space 1v1 is not her strong suit. We know she's strong in the box. She's strong in the air. Uh, she's strong as a very much like a central defender. And Khadija Buchanan can also play right back. So she's comfortable in those wide areas, uh, being able to take on player or go at players, make sure she doesn't get beat 1v1. So it was a little confusing to me that that switch hadn't happened. And then as the match went on, I was like, oh, this is why. Because Buchanan was great. She has such subtlety to her movements in terms of, you know, being able to break presses. I, I tweeted that, like, I know there's such a thing as press-resistant midfielders, but I ain't <laughs> never heard of a press-resistant yeah. center back. Uh, and she might be one. I mean, I, I think Mafia Leon is another one, maybe a Barcelona, but that list is very short and she's very much on it. The way that she was able to maneuver, you know, play the ball wherever she, you know, whether it's, you know, right or left to center back partner, whether it's to into midfield. And then she shifts herself to be able to get in a gap behind the press in order to move. Or sometimes she would just shift the ball, you know, to her right or left and then take a big touch forward and stride into midfield herself and carry the ball. You know, it was just impossible for them to predict how she was going to break it. But she broke their press every single time. 
And she also has great passing range. I mean, she should have had an assist. I think she just missed Connor Ed in the box with a with a long ball. But she has such great passing range, right, left, center. Like, she had a great performance. And I'm really, really sad and frustrated that it was her that gives up the penalty because I feel like given that that's such a big moment, people are going to be like, ooh, she's struggling to fit in. When I'm like, no. Every other minute, she was fantastic. She wasn't. She hasn't struggled to fit into the league at all. She just got caught, made a bad decision, and that's it. But that was like her only bad decision of the match. Pretty much. I, I think her and Lauren James, those were the two players where I just felt like despite being poor, like the rest of the team being poor, they just stood out so much. Um, as you say, completely accustomed to the game, completely fluid in her play and really confident and calm. And I think that's something that we always need to talk about Millie Bright being that player who was able to play out and, and you know, keep the ball and remain t- remain calm. And it's really nice now to have a, a partnership that should be developing there if, if Chelsea are to play in the back four or whether it's three centre-backs that can really have two players able to do that and really start building position out from the back. Because we, we are so used to seeing Millie Bright ping balls, you know. There's so many, there must be so many attacking movements where she's just sort of picked a crossfield pass and, and the attack gets going instantly. So if we've got another player who can do that, it just it completely opens things up. Um, but I do want to talk to you about Lauren James because she was the other player where I just, I just thought she was above everyone else. She was dribbling and, and playing like, like, like everyone else was in Sunday league and she was just completely head and shoulders and above everything else. Um, and it's so nice to see that because she's been so unlucky with injury and, and, and her timing and, and just not being able to get in at the squad because at one point, you know, that the eleven was just picking itself. I was really glad we saw her today and I really hope that this is a sign of seeing more of her because I think she needs to be played. Yeah, I was gonna say if if there if we're talking about, you know, good things from this match, Lauren James is absolutely one. I mean, we we knew this because of having to face her, you know, with Manchester United a, a few seasons ago, but she is so difficult to cope with when she is on the ball. She's very good at reading space as well to make sure she can get on the ball. But I love how like confident and I don't want to say casual because she's not like she's not yeah, casual tends to like denote some sort of like being lackadaisical and she's not careless. Mm-hmm. She just kind of pay, I think patient is the word because she just kind of waits and she sees like how is a defender going to eventually get themselves off balance or commit or move themselves into a position where I can just spin away from them or I can just shift the ball here. I mean, there were so many times when, like, I, I want to, I really wish we had, like, live numbers, you know, stats that popped up somewhere that we could have access to during games because the number of players she dribbled by was hilarious. I mean, just absolutely hilarious because she just waits and waits. Even even if they, another player is brought over and she's now bracketed between two, she just kind of waits and waits, sees a gap, and then she's through it. And with the ball and it's it's such a crazy skill and she does it so frequently that you're like she, that's she's not just getting lucky or, or or hasn't just found like a thing that works she has a a skill set of multiple things that work and I'm very excited to see her I mean I know it's cliche to talk about players who are quote-unquote like a new signing but I think it was so smart by Chelsea and so smart by Emma Hayes to say like all right when we signed her she had a lot of injury issues coming from Manchester United and whatever the hell they were doing over there uh, to give her some long-term injuries or, or or just not be able to recover from some of the injuries that she had. 
and giving her a lot of time. You know, we didn't need her last season to play a big role, and we needed to make sure that she got into the system, she got herself fully fit, got healthy, and I think we're now seeing exactly that work pay off, even in one game. And we saw it in preseason, too. She was really, really good uh, in terms of her individual performances. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be very fun to see her play. I would have been very interested to see her start in midfield as it appeared like she was going to start in midfield for us. I thought maybe she was going to end up being like a roaming kind of 10 that was going to help us break the press in midfield and help us, you know, progress the ball and float around in those pockets where she could, her ability to beat a player, you know, particularly when you have a um, Liverpool playing the way they play, you're really just waiting for one player to step out and create some sort of unbalance so you can find a, a gap to exploit. And if Lauren James was able to play more centrally, you have to think that some defender would get concerned that she had the ball in that half space, would step out, and she's going to beat them with a the dribble, and then a lot of things can open up from there. So, like, I, I was... I'm frustrated we didn't get to see that, but I'm confident that we will get to see that in the future. And it's going to look really, really good because she's exceptional. Absolutely. And um, I guess the the one final question I have to you is about the formation, because we've, talk, we've talked specifically about players. We've talked about individual players. We've talked about the good and the bad. But Emma Hayes obviously shifted formations in this game and we saw it a lot last season. How successful was it in this game? And, and do you think that she's going to stick with one or the other? Because, you know, we talked about preseason about the whole point of, of buying more centre-backs or more defensive players up so that they could fit the system that we were looking towards. I suppose to a certain degree it has to be inter- interchangeable, whether that's injuries or whatever uh, coming up against teams. But it seemed like the preferred style was going to go to a back three. It's just protecting our, um, allowing protection from mid- uh, midfield defensive players and also the ability to play out more possessively. And it just seemed like that's what we were going towards. But here is a, the very first example of the season that Emma Hayes is willing to shift that about. Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, getting adding Buchanan to Millie Bright and Magda Erickson really is like, that's a back three that mm-hmm. is one of the best in the world. I might honestly might be the best in, in Europe, in the, in the world, because I just don't know another back three with so much strength and so many qualities among each player. I mean, we know Magda Erickson's great. We know that Millie Bright has been in great form for you know, over a year now. She's great. Uh, for us all season, last season, she was great in the Euros. Um, she's been very, very good. Uh, and and Khadija Buchanan, who's just a world-class player. So, like, yeah, I think you add those three, you have a very strong defense. And I think that they are strong in their own ways and also unique, you know, with, you know, um, Magda being left-footed, being able to play well on the left. You know, you have Millie and uh, Khadija Buchanan who can kind of swap and play centrally or right. You already mm-hmm. see what Buchanan can do when she plays centrally. You know, Millie Bright can maybe swap a little bit and and kind of lock that down if we're expecting a lot of crosses into the box. And then you have, you know, Buchanan play on the right as a right-sided center back to be able to attack any sort of winger or, or you know, um, frustrate anybody who tries to make a cross or make inroads into the box from that space. So, like, yeah, I think, I think the back three will persist just because of the successful recruitment that we had. But the problem is we're going to have to figure things out around that. Um, I do think that eventually um, if Perise will get into the match, we'll get into games as in a starting you know type of basis, and I think she'll help defensively. But, I mean, central areas is really going to be the thing. You know, we already talked about Grace Cayoro and missing her and, and not missing out on her, and that's just 
you know, hate, hate to keep, you know, saying the exact yeah. same thing, but it's like we, we need help in midfield and I don't know where it comes from. I was hoping that we would have signed someone, but if we don't, then we're going to have to figure it out. And I love Aaron Cuthbert, but man, she was out there by herself a lot and that can't be the case. So we're going to have to figure something out there. But, but I mean, to answer the overall question, yeah, I think you have to stick, prioritize a back three. If you need to shift into like a back four during a game, sure, you can always make a sub and change because I think any one of those three center backs can also be comfortable in a back two uh, in and in a center in uh, a back four with a central defense partnership. So like I'm good with with that. I just think that we have a, such a massive strength with the center backs that we have that we have to make all three. Uh, we have to kind of stick to this system for now. Absolutely. Yes, I, I do think you're right. I think we've got to at least try to create some consistency and then and then maybe figure out how, what we're going to do, what combinations we're going to use. But I do think you are right. Midfield seems to be the, the gaping issue. Um, and so I now come to the part of the podcast where for the very first time this season, I get to ask you, though, before I ask you, is there anything else you want to talk, talk about? I feel like we've We've done a very sort of deep analysis of what went wrong today, what the issues were. Not, you know, kudos to us not just talking about the referee for the last sort of 40 odd minutes. We actually did some work, you know, some analysis. So anything else? <laughs> yeah, no, I would say I, I hear you on the the only thing I would say is I hear you on the VAR thing. And I'm not sold yet, even though calls like really? this really bother me. Yeah. The only reason is because VAR is a hot ass mess in the Premier League. Yeah. And yeah. I do not have any confidence. Like I would love a stripped down version of VAR that was kind of going to be like exactly what it was billed as, what it was promised as, fixing the clear and obvious error. If they do it that and keep the parameters very strict on it, I'm fine with it. But the the way that it is in the pr- Premier League, I don't want any part of that implemented into the WSL. I'm completely fine with the diet v- VAR in the women's game. Correct the offside calls catch any, you know, potential like red card, you know, instances when, you know, if a referee might have missed them, like keep it to those kind of calls. I do not want every single play reviewed. I don't want to be standing around for players standing around on the pitch for five minutes while a referee has, you know, the hand to the ear and walking around and then goes to the monitor, takes another minute to look at it. And then you have all this, you know, the the lines drawn on the screen and there's a toe or a blade of grass or something like I, I, I really don't want that. I want clear and obvious I do not want the hyper dissection of of these calls and of the game because it just is such a drag and it like is so frustrating. So like, yeah, I hear you and I want calls to be right. And if we had it, I do think that we end up getting three points from this match. Having said all that, I am concerned about like the other aspects of it potentially ruining the game because I just don't think it is. It's been a net positive to the game overall. Hmm, that's a that's very interesting. I I think we might disagree there. In fact, I think a lot of people within women's football might be on one side or the other. Do let us know what you guys think, because I'm I'm pretty sure a lot of people, you know, what you're saying makes sense completely. It's a risky move, but at the same time, I just I I just feel like you know they tried it in the Euros, um, and it wasn't like that. You know, it shows that there is a capability to, to for things to be much more smoother. The the winning goal from England in the final against Germany the year of the Euros you see um Chloe Kelly celebrating and right before she takes her shirt off she she looks back she's like in the process of taking her shirt off like one arm is up she's looking back you know she's not sure and that was like a big part of the celebration so I do I understand that bit but I feel like I'd rather wait and and know something was conclusively right or wrong 
then just kind of forever be haunted by one mistake, you know. Um, but again, like, you know, both sides are equally valid. So that that's pretty interesting, um, pretty contentious. But I do feel like that's something that people will talk about now. And and I bet as the season develops, whether it's more controversial moments, however it ends, this will be a game that people go back to the very first game of the season. There was that goal that Sam Kerr should have got and didn't, and they dropped points. I don't know why I'm saying it. I'm manifesting it. I shouldn't be, really. That's wrong. It's really wrong. I shouldn't be speaking that into Inception. Please um, don't. Fingers crossed that doesn't happen, of course. We don't want this to be a memorable moment. We want it to be a forgettable moment. Um, but yes, I now ask for your predictions. The very first time this season, we get to do some predictions for our next game versus Man City. So we're going to start with you, Andre, because you've had so much time to think about it. Um, you know, you haven't been bathing and showering like I have, so... <laughs> All yours. What what are your thoughts for score lines, predictions? I want minutes, players, halves. Oh, everything. Yeah, I don't know if I have all that for you, but but I do have a <laughs> I do have a basic prediction, and I think that you know, even when Manchester City were at their strongest, we provided a very good matchup for them. Um, them us as well. You know, we did have lose to them in a couple important games, but overall, I think we had you know the better performances in most in the majority of the games. Um, and I'm never really too worried about you know, uh, tactical things that Gareth Taylor is capable of that may catch us off guard. Um, so <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really worried about that. So I think they're a weaker team talent wise. And I think they don't. And I also think they don't have a manager that can cope with that. Whereas I think we are better talent wise overall. Of course we do need Penilla Harder to be healthy. So I am hoping that she gets, you know, her hamstring, uh, recovery goes well and she's able to play next weekend. But, you know, I am very much thinking that, you know, and, and I trust Emma Hayes now with a week to perform for a game plan. And as long as nobody else, you know, has to go out last minute <laughs> before the match kicks off, I think we'll have a good game plan uh, and be able to execute it. So I'm I'm expecting us to completely turn things around next week. Uh, and be able to talk about a win over City. And I think it's going to be a fairly comfortable one. I mean, I'm thinking like something like 3-1 or something like that. I think we're going to have a, a comfortable win against them because they're, they've got a lot more issues than we do uh, at the moment. And they don't have a manager that I believe is capable of, of taking, uh, of controlling those issues or being able to mask them or being able to find a system that fits the players that he currently has. So um, that's where I'm at. How about you? I think that's a really, really smart analysis, very sort of attentive for you. Um, but I think you are right in saying that it seems a lot more chaotic over there than it is over here. Like we're kind of slightly chaotic and we have the squad depth to be able to um, churn out the right players. And I also think that the, the signings we made have been upgrades, whereas the signings that they made were forced upon them from the absences that we mentioned, Walsh, um, Walsh Weir and Bronze. Um, so rather than bolstering the team, they've had to find replacements where we already had the players and we've had upgrades. So I, I think already that kind of puts us into you know an advantage. Um, I just I wonder whether Panilla Harder not playing meant that she had one eye on this game. She probably thought we are playing Liverpool and that's sort of a difficult game in its own. But then we go to face Man City and we can't drop points against them. So I wonder whether that means Harder should be able to start, especially if it was just a tight hamstring. A tight hamstring is something that they can turn around quite quickly um, because it hasn't reached the point where it's an injury yet. You really want to relax the muscles or that's a deep tissue massage or, um, you know, they take specific medicines that can help. Whereas if it's gone into an injury, that's where that's that's the issue. So I wonder 
if she's being protected for that game. So I think if she's playing and we've got a back three that involves uh, Buchanan and, and Bright and, you know, Sam Kerr. And, and to be honest, in a sense, Sam Kerr and Frank Abbey were OK today. You know, we struggled against a low block, but they were still, you know, they were still quippy. They were making passes. The pass to the goal that should have been was absolutely exquisite. I think you are right in saying that unlike Liverpool, Man City are a team that are very easy to get by. You know, they don't have much of a press and even less so with no Walsh. So I, I think you are right um, in saying that it should be a pretty easy game. In terms of scoreline, it's it's a difficult one. They did score three goals today, but that was against Aston Villa and their goalkeeper made a mistake for one of them. I want to say 3-1, but I don't want you to say that. I'm like, just copying yours. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Man, I should have gone first. It should have been so me. Exactly, see? <laughs> okay, all right. I don't want to say 2-1 because I don't think the game is going to be that tight. I don't think it's going to yeah. be stretched the way it was today. <laughs> Damn it, I'm it's in fine. a difficult you can position. Say 3-1. We can go with it. It's fine. The, no, I don't want to. The official prediction of Fran Kirby's fight club is 3-1. Okay, <laughs> Because I don't want you to then, like, next week, if it turns out that way, to claim it after you <laughs> promise I mean, me that. We'll both be claiming it. It'll be fine. <laughs> Very well. I would like to say three one collectively as a, as a joint team, um, but yeah, I think I think you are right. Um, it's funny to think that that game should be easier than today's game, but hey ho, that's how it is. Yeah, I mean, I think just like defensively, we won't be going against a team that is you know going to be that and you're going to deploy that tactic. I mean, Manchester Liverpool did it for a reason. Um, you know, they they do not talent wise, they do not match up with us. Manchester City may feel like they they can, and they have in the past been able to match up talent-wise. It just has been other things that have changed games. So, like, I do not expect them to play it all the same. That would be a silly thing for them to do, uh, and I don't think that, that they have the experience to do it, so I think they, it wouldn't be a good idea for them to do anyway. So, like, yeah, there should be a lot more space. There should be more opportunities to play at the game that we want to play, and we'll see. I mean, I, I do think, though, that, like we've said earlier, this is – this is a situation where we we're going to need to find answers much more quickly than we maybe thought we would, uh, mm-hmm. given the first game of the season. So frustrating, but I back us. And we can only look forwards and onwards. Um, so that's Man City next week. Next Saturday or Sunday? It is Sunday, 11 a.m. my time, 4 p.m. your time. So that's an afternoon one for, for UK um, people. And again, on a Sunday... But as as we were saying, a whole week to really look back at what happened today and how we might be able to sort of approach the Man City game. So if you are watching, make sure you tune into this podcast. We've taken a look at, we might look up in that game. We've talked about today's game. Um, and we're both predicting collectively a very easy game to come up. So <laughs> fingers crossed, Andre. Is there anything else you would like to say before we clock off? Nope, that is all I got. Yeah, I think it was a it was a pretty difficult podcast today. You know, it's never fun losing on the first day of the season. It's never fun when you have a bunch of issues um, in the squad, and it's not fun when you then have to go away and play a, a pretty chaotic team next week. But we are doing it. We're going to take it one game at a time. Thank you for listening in today, and thank you for tuning in today with Andre's match um, match tweets because we do get a lot of replies and quote tweets and a lot of love there, which we appreciate. Um, and just keep tuning and listening because this is our third season. We are covering every single week as close as we can to when the matches go live. Um, keep reviewing, whether that's on Spotify, Android. Android? Is that a thing? Have I just made... That's a, that's a bloody phone thing, isn't it? My it brain is, is all Google confused perhaps? today. Words are hard. 
um yes it's not it's not android i think i meant like google google yeah that's that's the one (laughs) (laughs) i'm not okay today um but wherever you can listen to us we really appreciate it and um please do keep tuning in i promise we do know how to speak um even though we did spend the last podcast well one of us spent the last podcast mispronouncing players names no reason to bring that up (laughs) if you haven't listened to that one go back and then listen to this one and realize that we struggle with words um (laughs) See you guys next week. Hopefully it's with a win. Let's go and ruin Man City.